Hello and welcome. My name is Jackie Lindahl and this is the Fit Like a Girl podcast. I am a mom, wife, an avid coffee drinker and weightlifter, as well as a personal trainer. And I own my own company called Fit Like a Girl Personal Training. In this podcast, I will help you reach your weight loss and fitness goals with no BS advice, cutting through all the myths and the crap that is out there so that you feel empowered and confident in reaching your goals. Along with fitness and health, I will also talk about many other subjects like mom stuff, life stuff, business, money, and so much more. So grab a coffee or put on your headphones and go for a walk and let's chat. Hello and welcome back to the Fit Like a Girl podcast. I am Jackie Lindahl and today's topic before we get into today's topic i like doing life updates whether or not you want to hear the life update i will be doing a life update um last time on the podcast i had mentioned that i was just getting over sinus that i was getting over sinus infection and doing well with that that's all gone now thankfully but now you know allergy season has arrived which is great uh, my poor daughter is being taken for a ride on allergies this year um yeah, poor thing. We have a doctor's visit this week where I'm hoping I can get a little bit of extra help with her allergies, mostly so that she can sleep at night um, because she's coughing. Oh my gosh, this poor kid. Um, so we'll see how that goes. And any other life updates? I am going to be this upcoming week 33, I think. 33 weeks pregnant. Um, yeah, I, I think 33 weeks and things are going well. Things are going well. We are getting to the point where I am like, holy crap. We have like less than two months until baby number two makes her appearance into the world. Hopefully, um, by hopefully, I mean, hopefully she's not like two weeks late. Uh, which I highly doubt would happen, but I don't think that my doctor would let me go that long. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're at the point where it's like less than two months now until baby number two is born. Um, things are going well. I overall feel pretty good. I mean, we're getting to the point where it's like, I'm running out of room. I feel like I'm running out of room. This kid takes up literally like my entire stomach all the way up to my rib cage, which she has for weeks. Um, and I was saying to my doctor today, cause my weight I went to my doctor today and my weight hasn't really changed a lot since my last appointment a couple of weeks ago, which isn't a big deal. She's not concerned about it. I gained a good amount of weight so far that she's not overly concerned about it. But I said to her, I said, my appetite is not what it usually is. Like usually I am quite a ravenous person. Um, you know, I usually have a really good appetite, but because this kid is taking up so much space in my stomach or, you know, in my abdomen that my stomach where I house food is like, <clears throat> I can't eat as much as I usually do with meals. And then because the other thing that she said is like, it makes sense. Also, she said the other thing that would be affecting it right now is like your gastric emptying rate because everything's so squished. So like the time that it takes for your stomach to actually get empty is longer because this kid is taking up so much space in your abdomen, your guts just move slower, which is why like, I haven't experienced it, knock on wood yet, but a lot of women in pregnancy experience like digestion and constipation issues and things like that. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, said like my appetite for like where I'm, so I probably should be in 
the third trimester for eating and stuff. It's just not there. And I'm trying to get in, you know, a good amount, like I'm still eating throughout the day. I have to make myself, you know, making sure that I'm getting in all my meals and stuff. But normally I'm the type of person that's like, I have breakfast and then I have a snack and then I have lunch and then I have a snack and then I'll have dinner. And then sometimes I'll have a snack. Whereas now I'm like, I'll eat breakfast. I make sure now that it's like a good amount of breakfast because then usually I'm not hungry till noon. And then I'll have an okay size lunch, like not huge, but not little either. Like I make sure that I eat a decent amount for lunch and then I might snack a little bit in the afternoon and then dinner, but I'm not like, oh my gosh, my stomach is growling. I'm hungry. I need to eat. Uh, yeah. So it's weird. It's just weird that my appetite has changed so much, um, in comparison to what it usually is. So I have a feeling that after I have this baby and I actually have like room in my abdomen again, I'm going to be just like inhaling all the food, all the food, all the time. (laughs) But otherwise I'm doing good. I am getting excited. I'm getting anxious about things. I need to get my ass in gear. So we finally got like a bed for my toddler because we're going to be switching her rooms. So I'm working on this week, getting her new room set up. We got the bed in there. Finally, she has not slept in it yet because we're going to be having like a bit of an off week this week and going, um, I'm supposed to be going away this weekend with my mom and my sisters where I'm taking Anna with me. So that's going to be off. So I'm not even going to bother with trying the bed right now. We got time. The baby really will be sleeping in a bassinet right next to my bed for the first, like, I don't know. Anna was in her bassinet till she grew out of it at about three or four months old. So we got time for her to adjust to a bed and things like that. Plus I'm not ready for her to go into a bed out of her crib. I want her to stay in her crib for like forever because it contains her and she can't get out yet, even though she totally could if she put her mind to it. Like really, she's so tall. She could just like hurdle over top of the crib um, and get out, but she hasn't discovered that yet. I'm sure it's coming, but anyway, so there's my life update for you. Uh, We'll get into today's topic. So today's topic, I'm actually, I'm, I'm usually excited about my topics, but this one I'm excited about because being on social media and going through the TikTok and all this kind of stuff over the past, uh, you know, however many years it's been. And the more knowledge that I accumulate as a personal trainer, the more that you start to sift through the bullshit that is in the fitness industry. And I do my best as a personal trainer. And this is kind of the whole purpose of me wanting to start this podcast in the first place was to help combat the bullshit that is in the fitness industry and just give people like the straight up truth about things and clarify things for people so that you can make your journey more simple. And although I feel like the fitness industry is getting better, there's still a lot of like lies and bullshit out there that the fitness industry tries to sell people. And it's hard to navigate through things. And I can understand why people are like, I don't really understand this. You hear this one day, you hear this the next day. How do I know what's true and what's not? And it's frustrating for people. And I totally understand. So I'm going to go through today, 10 lies that the fitness industry has sold you. And the reason why I say sold is because a lot of these have to do with like either influencers trying to peddle stupid products, uh, things like supplement companies, you know, trying to make a buck, things like 
really bad trainers or Instagram influencers or that are like, buy my program and like stuff like that. So I want to talk about these things and to help save you some time, some stress and money in the end. Okay. So we got 10 things. We'll go through them all and I'm going to talk about each one. So lie number one, Line number one that the fitness industry loves to sell people is that there are certain foods that quote burn fat. And this kind of goes also along with like, you might hear superfoods. You might hear, oh, if you have a grapefruit in the morning, you're going to burn X many more calories in a day versus if you have something else in the morning. Let's just talk about it. There are no foods that burn fat. There aren't. There's no specific food, drink, shake, pill, whatever, that burns fat. The only thing that burns fat is a calorie deficit in taking less calories than you burn. Okay. Now, people love to sell the whole, there's certain fat burning foods, or, you know, you'll see, I, one thing I see on TikTok all the time drives me bonkers. And I posted a video about it recently on my Instagram is people being like, this is how I maintain my small waist. And I literally, this was a video that I just posted a stitch on, on Instagram and on TikTok, like last week was like this girl talking about how she maintains her small waist by drinking apple cider vinegar, lemon, and water every morning. Guys, that doesn't work. There's no one fat burning food, drink, whatever it is that, that burns fat, keeps you skinny, cures everything in the world. It doesn't exist. It literally doesn't exist. Now there are certain foods that are, you know, have more nutrient density, more fiber, things like that, that'll help keep you full longer. That can make being in a calorie deficit for weight loss or fat loss easier. Yes. Okay. But there's no one magical food that does it. There's no one magical food that just burns up all your calories and all your fat in your body. It doesn't work like that. Same thing with like, drink this drink of fucking apple cider vinegar or whatever it might be. And it's the cure all to end all. It doesn't work like that. Yes. Including more nutrient dense food, dense foods and things like that in your diet will help not just with you know, being able to be in a calorie deficit a little bit easier, but also just with your overall well-being and health and things like that. But there's no certain fat burning foods that you need to put in your diet to lose weight. Doesn't exist. Lie number two is women need to tone. I'm going to go on a rant about the word tone here and hopefully offer a little bit of clarification. So the fitness industry, instead of telling women that they need to build muscle mass, they tell women that they need to tone. And it gets this idea of, oh, I need to tone, where they'll picture a model with like long, you know, or like a dancer, somebody with like long, sleek, muscular legs or like a little bit of muscle definition in her arms, but not too much because we're toning, not building muscle mass. And that you need to tone your stomach, tone your thighs. You're building lean muscle mass. You're not bulking muscle mass. And it's just this arbitrary bullshit. And honestly, to be completely and totally honest, sexist and misogynist way of saying women shouldn't build muscle mass. They should just try to be skinny with just a tiny bit of muscle so that they look toned. And that's fucking stupid. So 
You'll hear me say sometimes the word tone and stuff like that. And the only reason why I'll use it is because it's a common word that people think of and it gets them a picture in their mind. But in all reality, when women say that they want a tone or when something says, you know, toning muscle or whatever, it just is referring to building muscle mass. The look that people think of when they think of that they want a tone is somebody who has built muscle mass. So I've heard people say even to me before, oh, your arms and shoulders look so toned. I have put years into building muscle in my arms and shoulders, um, which I still have super weak, tiny biceps. Why? I don't know. But I have put years into serious, heavy weight training to build muscle mass, to have toned arms. So it's a bit of a, a frustrating thing because it's like one of those things that as a personal trainer, you want to talk your client's language, right? So if I tell somebody, you know, oh, you need to build muscle mass, automatically women think I don't want to build muscle mass. But if I tell them we need to lift weights to tone, then they get that picture in their head. So it's just kind of like fighting a battle of wanting to talk your client's language and get them to under, but then at the same time, get them to understand what they're actually doing. So it is like kind of a, yeah, like I said, it's a little bit kind of like trying to ride this delicate balance, but at the same time, just trying to bring to the forefront, the truth that like toning doesn't exist. It's not a thing when people are referring to toning. It's just, you want to build muscle mass. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with building muscle mass. As I've said a hundred bajillion times, and I will continue to say a hundred bajillion times more building muscle doesn't make women bulky. You don't get bulky and big muscles and stuff like that by accident. You don't turn into a power lifter by casually lifting three to five times a week. Okay. It doesn't work like that. You become a power lifter or an athlete or a CrossFit athlete. You know, the women who have developed quite a bit of muscle mass and good for them because they train hard by doing very specific training regimens and having very specific goals aligned with those training regimens <clears throat> to build that muscle mass. So it doesn't happen overnight and it definitely doesn't happen by fucking accident. It happens well on purpose for these athletes so that they can achieve their goals. Okay. For the average person like you and I who want to lift weights, want to build a little bit of muscle mass, feel stronger, feel better, move better, you know, eat more pizza, whatever your goals might be. You don't need to worry about overdoing it and bulking up. Okay. You're going to lift weights. You're going to build muscle mass and it's not toning. It's just straight up building muscle mass. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. Anyways, that was number two. <laughs> number three, I've talked about this one before, but I'm going to talk about it again. That you, the fitness industry loves to tell you, they love to tell you that you need supplements to achieve your goals. And it is a big marketing thing. And that's why stores like Supplement King and GNC GNC exist and all those other supplement stores. And that's why there are personal trainers telling you, or, you know, people on TikTok and fucking Instagram telling you to take their 10% off code and go and buy the protein powder that they use or the creatine that they use and all that kind of stuff, because the fitness industry makes a lot of money off of supplements. However, you don't need supplements of any kind 
to achieve your goals. You don't need pre-workout. You don't need to take creatine. You don't need to take protein powder if you don't want to. You don't need BCAAs. You don't need fat burners. You don't need whatever. You don't need the fake testosterone pills that don't do anything. You don't need any of that shit to achieve your goals. Now, I say this because I don't like, I don't want people thinking that they have to, when they're trying to lose weight or build muscle mass or whatever, that the first stop that they make when they're driving around town, getting their gym membership and whatever set up, the first stop that they make is the supplement store. I want you to stop at the fucking grocery store before we're stopping at the supplement store. Because if you need, if you say, for example, want to lose weight and you need to make some adjustments to your diet, the last place that you should be going to is the supplement store. The first place you should be going to is the fucking grocery store and then go home to cook food or whatever it might be. So do not run to the grocery store. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Stop, make adjustments to your lifestyle first. And that would be including more protein in your diet throughout the day. That would be adding more fruits and vegetables to your diet. That would be making sure that you get better sleep at night. So you have more energy instead of taking pre-workout adjusting those things then. And only then after you've made those adjustments, if you are still not hitting your protein goals or you're struggling with protein intake, you can find yourself some kind of a protein supplement, like a protein powder or something like that to have, to help increase your protein intake. But first make adjustments to your lifestyle. Same thing with like Creatine. Creatine is a really popular one. And over the past few years, it, there has been a lot more research done on creatine supplements and being able to gain muscle mass and things like that. And if your goal is to really want to gain muscle mass and to build muscle, creatine could help. Creatine also has a lot of other benefits. They've come out actually saying that it has like benefits to your heart and cognitive function. They've done some studies and stuff um, for your brain health, cognitive function and things which is great. Um, however, though, keeping in mind that creatine is an amino acid. So creatine is found in protein sources such as like meat and seafood and things like that as well. So just keeping in mind that you don't need it, it can help just like any other supplement, you know, just like protein powder, it can help dependent on your goals, but the average everyday person who maybe just wants to feel a little bit better, move a little bit better. Do you absolutely need to take creatine? I don't know. Eh, it's kind of up to you, but I would say, yeah, not really. If your goal was like, like I mentioned before, really wanting to pack on some muscle mass, that kind of thing, possibly. But when it comes to other little supplements like fat burners, fat burners don't do shit. Okay. Let's just, let's just cut to the chase. They don't do shit. Lots of times they're just loaded with caffeine to help increase your heart rate, which might make you burn negligible amounts, more calories during your workout, but that's about it. Same thing with pre-workout. Pre-workout is just caffeine. Some people really like it. Some people don't. If you're a person who likes pre-workout, that's fine. Have it. I would say try not to use it during every single workout because otherwise you're just going to build a tolerance to it. And that's a lot of caffeine to build a tolerance to. Um, having it a few times a week versus every day would probably be better. But for me personally, like I like coffee. I like and enjoy drinking coffee. So I'm not going to add pre-workout when I'm already drinking coffee. It's just not my thing. Um, other ones like green supplements, eat your veg your vegetables and fruits. Okay. I used to be a big thing. I tried the green supplements for a while. Number one, they don't taste that great. It tastes like you're eating grass or horse feed or something like that. Um, 
And number two, if you're eating sufficient amounts of fruits and vegetables in a day, you're going to be getting all those micronutrients and vitamins and minerals and things like that through the food that you're intaking with the benefits of the fiber that is also going to be in that food to help you stay full. So eat your vegetables. You're an adult. Okay. Uh, other ones would be like those fake testosterone supplements. Oh, those ones make me roll my eyes. Again, it's really just a bunch of crap in there. That's not going to actually raise your testosterone. If you actually want to raise your testosterone, you got to either look on the black market or go talk to your doctor, one of the two. So at the end of the day, you don't need supplements. You need to make long sustaining lifestyle changes first before you even think about stopping at the supplement store. Okay. Save yourself some money there on supplements. I'm just saying that same thing with like detoxes, things like that. I'll, I might get into those a little bit later, but just save your money. Okay. Just save your money. The only ones that might be worth it would be like creatine and protein powder. And that's only if you're missing out on your protein intake after adjusting your diet to add more protein to it. Okay. Number four, number four is you should be aiming to be a certain size or body fat percentage. This comes from a personal experience and b a lot of, uh, looking into things like body dysmorphia and stuff like that. Now this is taking bodybuilding out of it. Okay. Because bodybuilders do kind of fuel certain trends of the fitness industry. And when I first started working out, bodybuilding was quite popular. Like bodybuilding had kind of had a resurgence in popularity. And that's what I was looking into when I first started lifting weights and working out and stuff consistently was bodybuilding. And I, it got in my mind that to be considered like at a point where I could maintain or like, oh, I've reached my goal was that I had to reach a certain aesthetic or leanness to be considered like good, like, like, like I'm good. Like I can maintain this. The reason why I want to talk about this is because being a certain body fat percentage or a certain size doesn't equate to healthy long-term habits, or even that you're going to stick with what you're doing for the rest of your life. It doesn't really mean a lot. And especially if you're looking at the bodybuilding industry, there's a lot of unhealthy things going on there. And I'm not going to try, I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to bash the whole bodybuilding industry. But what I'm trying to say is, is getting yourself whittled down to a certain body fat percentage where a really low level of leanness has a lot of negative things that come with it. Number one, it can harm your relationship with food. And if you're trying to get down to a really low body fat percentage or have visible abs or veins or whatever, you have to get down to quite a low body fat percentage. And to get there requires a lot of sacrifice and cutting out certain foods and all of these things. And it can create a negative relationship with food as well as some major body dysmorphia issues. And I went through a period of that and I look back at some pictures of me from about four year, four or five years ago where I was quite lean. I got myself to be quite lean, but remembering also at that time, maybe it was like six or seven years ago. I feel like, yeah, it was about six or seven years. It was about five or six years ago. Sorry. Five or six years ago. Five at that point I was quite lean. And to be totally honest at that point, even though I looked super lean and I had like abs and whatever. I felt like at that time I still wasn't like skinny enough. 
and I was eating low calories and all these things to try to get down to a certain body fat look, not even really a percentage, but just a look. And that body dysmorphia kind of fucks with you a little bit, as well as that relationship with food. Because I had to be so strict to maintain that leanness, it was hard because then I was starting to see food as like only certain calories and it led to like, you know, a lot of issues with, like I had mentioned in previous podcasts about kind of like binging on certain foods or feeling like I couldn't have certain foods and like carbs were bad or whatever. And it's one of those things that you don't really realize it until you go through it, what you have to sacrifice to maintain that level of leanness. And I saw Jordan Syatt a little while ago. He's posted this one a couple of times, but it's so true where it's like, nobody gives a fuck if you have a six pack. Like nobody really genuinely gives a shit if you have a six pack and it makes all the gym bros, whenever he posts it, it makes all like the gym bros go wild. But nobody gives a shit if you have a six pack or visible veins or whatever it might be because like who the fuck cares? And like I said before, to get that lean and then maintain that level of leanness can be really damaging to your relationship with food and exercise and all those things. And it kind of takes away from the whole point of this journey, which is looking after your health long-term and longevity. And the other thing is, is like when you're down to that level of leanness, especially for women, your hormones and things like that change. And some women, when they get down to a certain level of leanness, their periods go away and their hormones are fucked. And, you know, with men, they have testosterone issues when they're trying to maintain a certain amount of leanness. Like a lot of people don't really realize that if you see somebody like, uh, for example, you'll see a guy like Channing Tatum talked about this recently when he was in, uh, magic Mike, how miserable he was during the time that he had to film those movies because of the aesthetic that he had to maintain during that time. And he talked about how miserable it was having to put on that amount of muscle mass and then cut and then basically eat like, you know, hardly anything to maintain that look because it's unsustainable is the other thing. And that's what I found. And it actually took me having a baby And then realizing how unsustainable that was and how much happier I was at a heavier, not not crazy heavy, but a slightly heavier weight and slightly heavier body fat percentage. I was happier with how my workouts went. I was happier with how my strength was. I was happier with how my relationship with food was and how much more relaxed I felt about things. And to be honest, for me, being slightly heavier And, you know, a little bit heavier and a little bit higher body fat percentage to me made a huge difference in my mental health. And so it's just something to consider that you don't need to be a certain size or certain aesthetic or a certain body fat percentage to be happy with how you look and feel and function. Your health matters a lot more around how you look, feel, function, move, and your relationship with food and your relationship with exercise and all these things, that all matters so much more than what your body fat percentage is. Something to keep in mind. Okay. Number five is you're not losing weight because of either your gut health, because of inflammation, because of toxins, 
and you need to sign up for my program and you'll get 10% off all of these supplements. This is a popular one that um, the fitness industry is now coming out with to be kind of a little bit tricky. And it used to be about if you want to look like me, if you want to look like me, have my aesthetic, whatever it might be, do my workouts. That used to be like how, you know, trainers and coaches and stuff used to kind of catch you uh, a few years ago. And then it was, and now it's more towards targeting people on health. And I think COVID had some, has had something to do with this over the last couple of years. This is my conspiracy theory is that over the last couple of years, people have become more conscious and aware of their health. And with also, also the healthy at every size movement and the anti-diet culture movement, we're moving away from just focusing on weight loss and things like that as goals, which is great. Like, I honestly do think that that is a positive thing and we're focusing more on just our overall health and longevity. However, the marketing gets a little trickier, trickier. So now you'll hear coaches talk about, let's fix your hormones. Let's fix your gut health. Let's fix your inflammations. Oh, you have toxins in your body and they will swing you in with their plans and whatever, which aren't really magical plans, number one, um, as well as they will sell you supplements and things like that to make money. And overall, like I said, it's just, it's just another marketing tactic. It's another marketing tactic. It's another marketing tool, inflammation, quote unquote, inflammatory foods, things like that kind of seems to be the new buzzword nowadays that like detox and toxins and stuff were a couple of years ago. I still hear about toxins. I still hear about that kind of thing, but now it's all about inflammation, gut health and hormones and all these types of things. And what irks me about it is you'll have coaches preaching about balancing your hormones with their miracle diet and all that kind of stuff. But yet they're not endocrinologists, which is a doctor who studies hormones. They have no blood panels on you to see what your hormone levels actually are. And if you actually had a hormone fuck up or imbalance in your body, chances are likely you're going to need a doctor and not a guru on Instagram selling you their diet, which just consists of eating more vegetables. So just be aware, just be wary of these types of things when you're online that, you know, you're might they like to, you know, marketers love to prey on people's weak spots, right? The pain points. Everybody likes, everybody has a pain point and marketing loves to pick on people's pain points. So they'll pick on things like safety, especially with parents. They'll pick on things like safety. Oh, the outlet, the outlet. If you're a mom, you'll know what I'm talking about. The outlet is like a little like kind of monitor that you put on your child's foot. And it really hits home with parents on their pain points, you know, almost to a point of exploitation in my opinion, where it's, you know, they hit on the safety aspect. Don't you want your child to be safe? You should have to monitor your child all night long with this heart monitor. So you are, you know, they make people feel paranoid. They'll talk about the risk of SIDS and all these things and all this kind of stuff. People love, love, to focus on like pain points for people. And one of those things is when it comes to weight loss, people can get frustrated with weight loss naturally. I totally understand. It's a frustrating fucking process and it takes time and patience and all these things. And there's so much conflicting information out there on the internet. 
So people, so marketers will focus on those pain points and be like, oh, you're not losing weight because your gut health is messing with your hormones. So here, buy my program, buy my supplements, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and that will fix you and make you lose weight. Whereas that's not actually how it works. So just be aware when you're online and if you see something like that and it kind of irks a pain point inside of you, just think through, think about it. Just start thinking about it and think it through. And if you're concerned about your gut health, if you know, because there are gut issues out there, I'm not, I am not, um, negating or like, I'm not dismissing that things like IBS exist and things, people have food intolerance and people can have gut issues, like gut health issues. There are legitimate things, but just be wary of who you're, who's talking about these things and what angle are they talking from? Okay. Same thing with like inflammation. There are certain diseases and stuff that cause people to have more inflammation in their body than others. Things like rheumatoid arthritis, autoimmune issues, IBS, all these types of things are related to inflammation. However, though, again, just be wary of who is talking, what are they talking about, and are they trying to sell me something? Okay. And when it comes to things, people talking about toxins and you need to detox or whatever, if you actually really truly needed to detox your body, you need a doctor and a hospital. You don't need Sally's tea. That's going to make you shit your pants for a week. Okay. Just a forewarning. Next one. (laughs) That was a bit of a heavier topic. Okay. Next one. You need to eat organic. So this kind of goes along with what I was just talking about, but it is another popular one. I feel like it's going to the wayside and people are starting to understand a little bit, but I'm going to talk about it anyways. So people loved, especially earlier in the 2000s and the 2010s, the organic industry like exploded. Everything was organic. Your mom was organic. Your freaking computer is organic, non-GMO. All of a sudden salt is non-GMO, even though considering salt is just a fucking rock and there's no genes in it to modify, which didn't really make any sense. And everything was organic. One thing that people need to understand about the organic food industry is organic foods still use pesticides. And that's where a lot of people will make the um, argument for organic food is when it comes to um, produce. They will talk about produce and they'll say they don't use pesticides on their fruits or vegetables or whatever it might be. That's untrue. Organic still uses pesticides. They use a certain, they use slightly different pesticides in comparison to conventional, but they still use pesticides on their food. We need pesticides because otherwise the little fuckers will come and eat up all our crops and then we are left with no food. Okay. (laughs) That's how it works. I remember growing up on the farm and we would have like grasshoppers wreak havoc on our field. And then we are left with significantly less feed to get through the year for our animals. And that is not good. So yes, you need to protect your crops so that you can feed people because if we don't, then we can't feed the world. So organic foods do still use pesticides. Organic does not mean healthier. If you compare an organic gala apple to a conventionally grown gala apple, they are the same. Same thing with like, if you're trying to tell me that your organic Cheetos 
are different than the Cheetos that I buy my daughter at the 7-Eleven, you're wrong. They're the same fucking thing. They're Cheetos. Okay. Just one has a fancy label that that company put on it and makes it look like it's good for you. And the other one doesn't. It has the little leopard or whatever the hell he is on it. So organic doesn't necessarily mean healthier. In that, genetically modified foods are not the devil that people think that they are. And there's actually very few genetically modified crops out there on the market today. And so when a food is genetically modified, usually what it means is they've taken a certain gene in that food. And I am not a a food scientist or anything like that. I'm giving you a very rough explanation of this. But they take a certain gene in that food to try to modify it to make the food more hearty. So for example, um, they will make, for example, there are certain crops like corn that they have genetically modified to make the corn more um, resistant to certain pests and able to grow with less water. Okay. Uh, For example, I know, I I don't know if this one's out on the market or not, but they were talking about trying to do a genetically modified apple to prevent browning and rotting. Okay. So they're taking a certain gene of the food. They're going to modify it a little bit and then do it. Genetic GMOs, genetically modifying foods doesn't happen with foods like salt and pepper and things like that. A lot of people like to, you know, buy the non-GMO salt, which makes me laugh every time because it's just a fucking rock. Um, but just because something says non-GMO on your food doesn't mean that it's healthier. It just means that chances are likely it's a food that doesn't have any GMO, uh, genetically modified genes in it anyway. Like it's just a food that doesn't have anything genetically modified on the market as it is. So the other thing that we have to think about is there are certain ways that you can breed plants to bring out good genetics. So that's like seedless watermelon, seedless grapes, those types of foods. They're not genetically modified. They are just bred and crossbred with different types of watermelon, different types of grapes to achieve a seedless watermelon, a seedless orange, a seedless grape, etc. So just because something says it's organic doesn't mean that it's healthier. If you really truly want to eat organic produce or whatever, all the power to you. But just also know that if you are like me and you look at the price of groceries and you're like, holy shit, I can't afford to buy organic. You can't, don't feel guilty about it because really at the end of the day, there's no negligible, there's negligible difference between the foods as far as your health is concerned. Number six, I'm going to go over this one super quick. I promise your meta or number seven, sorry, number seven, not number six, number seven, your metabolism is broken. So this kind of goes along with what I talked about before the gut health inflammation and toxins in point number five, but people love to be convinced. This just kind of goes along with people love to be convinced that there's something wrong with them because then they have something to blame. However, though, you have to consider when it comes to, you know, I've heard people say like they get frustrated because like, oh, I tell the doctor this, this, and this, and you know, but all my blood work and everything comes back fine. And it's like, well, okay, that's actually a good thing because number one, you don't want a broken metabolism. You don't want something wrong with, you know, your thyroid or something like that. That's preventing you from achieving your weight loss goals or something like that. You don't want that. So it's actually not a bad thing, but your metabolism chances are probably isn't broken. 
Now, there are instances where people who have eating disorders in the past maybe have done extreme restrictive dieting over the years or have done, you know, crazy shit like bodybuilding for years and years and now your metabolism's kind of fucked. There are instances where people can have issues with their metabolism. Yes. However, though, for the most part, when I hear people say, oh, my metabolism is broken and kind of stuff and things like that. And you start diving into what's actually going on. It usually actually has a lot to do with lifestyle factors affecting their weight loss goals more than anything. And so it's things like they're not sleeping well at night. They're drinking a lot of caffeine and then they're drinking wine at night, which leads to a shitty sleep. Uh, You know, they're a mom of young kids who is tired and has a lot of priorities going on. You know, it's not that it's her fault. It's just that she's got a lot going on and not sleeping sometimes great at night and there's stress and things like that that is affecting things that, you know, it's not that her metabolism is broken. It's just that she's just got a lot of shit going on. Um, one other thing that people love to use as an excuse is their age is that I'm older. So my metabolism is broken. It's like, no, just because you're 50 doesn't mean that your metabolism is broken in comparison to when you were 30. There are certain things that as we age, our lifestyle does impact our metabolism. For example, like As we get older, generally we get less active. Generally, we're not paying as much attention to our um, intake of certain, you know, just we're not paying attention to our food intake. We sometimes don't sleep that great, especially like a woman going through menopause. Maybe she's having hot flashes at night, that kind of thing that can affect her sleep, which can affect a lot when it comes to weight loss or anything like that. But it's not that your metabolism is broken. And they've actually done studies on... Um, as people age, the rate of which their metabolism changes. And it's very negligible changes as you get older up until the point, I think it was like you were in your sixties. That's when it drops a little bit, but even then it was a small percentage that your metabolism or your metabolic rate would drop, but otherwise it actually stays pretty consistent. What they did note was that the reason why people thought that their metabolism was being affected as they got older was because of lifestyle factors, not because of their age. So something to think about. Chances are likely your metabolism's not broken. Again, if somebody's trying to tell you, sell you a plan or a supplement or a whatever to fix your broken metabolism, just consider the source. Okay. Just think about it. Consider the source, see what you know, eligibility they have, that kind of thing, where their knowledge is coming from, just consider it. Okay. Number eight is you need a big fancy gym setup to go work out or a gym membership or whatever it might be to work out. Now I think COVID kind of blew this one out of the water. Um, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. You don't need a big fancy gym setup or even a gym membership or something like that to get good workouts. Oftentimes you can get really good workouts done with pretty low effort, low cost equipment. And really it all does depend on your goals. Yes. But for the average everyday person who just wants to move a little bit better, maybe get a little bit stronger, that kind of thing, you can do all of that without a gym membership or without a huge setup. Now I will say I loved the gym for the longest time. I felt that it was motivating. I found that it was easier for me for the longest time to go to the gym to work out versus working out at home. Um, but then COVID happened and the gyms being open and closed, open and closed. 
my husband and I decided to get a setup for at home and we got pretty swanky setup. Like we, we got this squat rack, we got the barbell and the deadlifts and all that kind of stuff. But for the longest time with COVID and with the gyms being open and closed and stuff, I did my workouts with a simple set of resistance bands and a set of interchangeable dumbbells that my husband bought when he was like 15. And that's what we had. And I went for walks and did that for the longest time throughout COVID till I realized, you know, and then we realized how much we missed the gym and where we wanted to take our workouts and our goals for ourselves. And we bought more equipment, but that's for us. Most of my clients, to be totally honest, have very simple gym, like very simple workout setups at home. Most of my clients work out from home. I have a few who go to the gym, but most of them work out from home. And most of them have fairly simple setup, like set of interchangeable dumbbells, like resistance bands, like they'll have a yoga ball, um, those types of things. You can get really good quality workouts and good results with not much equipment. Maybe you spend a couple hundred, few hundred bucks on equipment and you're done. Like you don't need a big fancy gym setup. If you want that, that's fine. And that's, you know, you do what works for you and what your goals are, but you don't need the big fancy setup. Okay. So just something to consider. And oftentimes you don't need like the bow flex machines or anything like that. Just a simple pair of dumbbells, some maybe resistance bands, if you like them and a little bit of space, and you can do a lot of really great workouts with just that alone. So something to consider. Number nine is you must work out seven days a week. And I've talked about this many times before about how our bodies need rest. You need to recuperate that seven days a week isn't necessarily any better. Um, and that my usual preference for most people on average is anywhere between three to five days a week is perfect. So working out seven days a week is overrated just to be totally honest. Like for again, the average everyday person who wants to work out, feel better, get stronger. Even if I have clients who have pretty big audacious strength goals and stuff like that, I don't have them work out six or seven days a week. They're usually working out about four or five days a week and they are going to the gym, hitting the gym hard, good quality workouts. They're pushing their strength and all these things. And then they have days to recover. So you don't need to work out seven days a week to achieve your goals, whether your goals are weight loss, muscle gains, whatever that might be, you don't need to work out seven days a week to achieve those goals. And just something to keep in mind because it's always tempting to want to do more. And I'll have people ask me about, I want to do more. I want to do more. Oh, they'll tell me something like, and I used to say this too. So I know what this means when they'll say, Oh, I just find the gym is just such a stress relief. So I go seven days a week. I used to say that too. And it's like, okay, but you have to understand that number one, to your body and your central nervous system, the gym is a stressor. Okay. When you're doing a workout and you're stress, you're stressing your body, which is why your body needs to recover from it, just like anything else. And the other thing is, is a lot of times that's actually, and I know this is true because it was true for me. The reason why people really want to work out seven days a week is because they're scared that it's going to stall their progress or that they will suddenly gain weight or whatever it might be if they stop going to the gym seven days a week. And for me, that was actually very true at the time. 
But when I stopped doing stupid shit like that and I started working out, you know, four to five days a week or three to five days a week of good quality strength workouts, I go in the gym, hit it hard like a hammer and have my days to rest. That is when I actually made the most progress. So something to consider that you do not need to kill yourself in the gym seven days a week, no matter what. Instagram influencer is telling you, no matter what Jim is telling you, you don't need to do that. The last one, number 10, and this is similar, uh, this is kind of goes along the lines of point number four, but I'm going to talk about this uh, because I feel like it needs to be its own separate topic. Number 10 of lies that the fitness industry has sold you. The lie being that the only goal that has any kind of meaning is weight loss. The only goal that has any kind of meaning is weight loss. The biggest fucking lie that the industry sells you. And the weight loss industry sells this because that's how they make money. They make money by telling you that the only goal that's really worth chasing when it comes to health and fitness is to lose weight. You should just want to lose weight. That's it. That's the only goal. And the reason why this is a big fat fucking lie is because when we only solely ever chase after weight loss and nothing else, number one, we lose sight of what progress actually is. We lose sight of it. I've talked about this in many other podcasts about all of these other signs of progress that have really nothing to do with the scale or weight loss that getting stronger, having better habits, better sleep, better mood, mental health, all of these other things all mean so much more than just weight loss. But if the fitness industry told you that, it would make blank, blank, it would make less money. So the fitness industry tells you that the only goal that you should really want to achieve ever is weight loss. And there's nothing, I will preface this also by saying there's nothing wrong with wanting to lose weight, okay? If you're a person who wants to lose weight to improve your health and whatever, you know, feel more confident, blah, 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 all the power to you. But also understand that it's not the only weight, it's not the only goal out there. The ultimate goal in the end should be about longevity. It should be about staying healthy for life, keeping active for the rest of your life, improving your relationship with food, having better sleep, uh, the better sex life, whatever the fuck it is that makes you happy. Because having just a goal on the scale or whatever it might be, or a body fat percentage or whatever, just weight loss alone isn't enough to keep most people going. And it's what perpetuates these on off cycles. People will go on this program, buy into this program. They lose weight. They go off the program. They gain weight. They go on to another program. They lose weight. They gain the weight back, go on to another program. Try this, try that, get a coach, do this, do that. All in the name of weight fucking loss. Okay. You can lose weight, but can you maintain it and keep it off and also implement healthy habits throughout the rest of your life? That is the action. That should be the actual goal, not just lose 10 pounds. So the reason why I say that this is a big lie is because the fitness industry doesn't put enough emphasis on other goals or maintenance for life. And that's something that I really, really push with my clients is I'm not just going to try to get you to your weight loss goal, or I'm not just going to focus on weight loss with you because I want you to take the skills and the tools and the knowledge that I am helping you with 
and take that and apply it to your life so that you can achieve a healthy lifestyle for the rest of your life and have longevity and less pain and all of these other things because losing 20 pounds now is great. But when you're 70 years old, are you still going to be able to move? Are you still going to feel good? Are you going to have arthritis problems? Are you going to have health problems? All those things. That's the future you that matters too. It's not just about 30 year old you who wants to lose 20 pounds. So there you have it. Some lies that the fitness industry tells you that I love to blow this kind of shit out of the water. So that is my purpose for this podcast. I hope that you found it helpful. Um, if you haven't already, feel free to give me a follow on social media because I also love talking about these things in my TikToks and Instagram and stuff like that. I will post my Instagram tag in the show notes here. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast, I would love and appreciate a five-star written review. You can do them on Apple or on Spotify. They just help increase visibility for the podcast so that the uh, more people can see the podcast, the more reviews that you have and things like that. And I can help more people just like you. And also if you have questions about the podcast or just in general, you can head to my website, www.fitlikeagirl.ca. And you can always get in touch with me there. I am also taking on more online coaching clients. So if you want somebody that will help you, not just temporarily, but help you get set up for the rest of your life, take your fitness to the next level, whatever it might be. I would love to chat with you. Feel free to head to my website and you can contact me through there, or you can fill out the form on my website to apply for coaching with me. And yeah, that's pretty much it. I just want to also say thank you so much for listening. I have been loving doing this podcast. I'm 20 something episodes in now and just really enjoying doing this over the past year. It's been about a year now that I've been doing the podcast. And I just really want to thank every single person who stops by, whether you listen to multiple episodes or you just listen to one episode and move on. I just want you to know that I appreciate you so, so much. And also take care of it.